This is episode 302 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article is How to Can Food, Five Steps to Get Started with Canning. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. It's time to finally advance your preparedness goals. Get the ebook and join the forums. Go to microbiz.biz for more information or you can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. Hey guys, a little bit different uh, on this Friday podcast. Uh, it's been a very, very long week for me, so it's starting to catch up. And uh, so uh, I hope you forgive me for only reading one article uh, today. Uh, so I, there is one other article, though, I want to just touch base on. I don't have permission to read the articles. Uh, it's by uh, Martin Armstrong over at Armstrong Economics, but uh, it is very interesting. So I wanted to just read a portion of it. Martin Armstrong uh, often allows people to send in comments and he'll respond to it. Uh, this one specific one said, you are wrong. <laughs> Trump is the entire reason the country is divided. And his reply was, I've stated numerous times that this is a global trend now the BBC has taken a world survey on this very question. This is the IPSOS Mori study, which was carried out in 27 countries for the BBC. You obviously have your head in the sand and are too biased to open your eyes. The study showed three quarters around the world say their country's society is divided and the majority think their country is now more divided than it was 10 years ago, especially in Europe. Differences in political views are seen as the greatest cause of tension, followed by differences between rich and poor. And then, however, despite these divisions, the majority of people in most countries agree that people across the world have more things in common than things that make them different. And so uh, he always talks about this uh, this divide and how things are, are coming to a head. Uh, I've been following uh, him for a while and so, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, he was saying, you know, if they don't do something, uh, you know, this is going to be really bad. And then it's like, you know, I actually read a, a, another article of his. I think I shared it on, shared it on Twitter today that said, uh, you know, we've kind of passed the point of no return. So, you know, when, when the collapse happens, um, which inevitably it will happen at some point, it'll be pretty bad uh, because just people have been stringing it along for so long. But I thought this was a good article here. It kind of uh, brings home to why things happened, you know, in uh, with Brexit, why things happened with uh, Trump here. I think just people in, um, you know, middle America are just fed up with uh, the way things have gone. Uh, I think the Drudge Report had an article that most people don't even trust the media anymore. I mean, most people realize, it's pretty sad when most people realize that you know the the media that is is coming out is just it's it's not real it's junk it's it's fake you know although they're trying to blame all the other or or label all the other uh alternative news sites out there as fake news they're the fake news 
And so uh, there's just so many crazy things going on. And so I thought I'd kind of just read that one just to maybe pique your interest just a little bit. I'm going to link to it in the show notes and you can go read. Uh, There's one more other chapter there. But then uh, they post a lot of great articles over there, a lot of good analysis. And just to kind of keep you aware of what's going on. Uh, Sometimes it's, you know, completely all economic. I love the articles that he does when he talks about the, you know, historical aspects of things. He's really big into looking at patterns and uh, how things repeat. And so, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can go check it out and uh, go, you know, check out some of the other articles that are there. All right, so let's go ahead and get to the article that we're going to read for this podcast. It comes to us from thepreppingguide.com, and the article is entitled "How to Can Food: Five Steps to Get Started with Canning." Canning. It's easy to preserve your food for a rainy day. We all work so hard to bring in bumper crops of fruits and vegetables to feed ourselves and our families. During this time of year, I am overjoyed when the spring crops begin to bear food and am even more delighted when the first tomatoes begin to ripen. For me, I always have more bounty from my garden than I know what to do with, and as a homesteader, I prefer not to waste a single thing. So aside from cooking and eating fresh foods, I preserve all of my leftovers by canning them, so that they can be eaten in the less productive months or when I need that stockpile of homemade delicious emergency food. Canning is one of the most important skills for homesteaders and preppers. In fact, it is an important skill for anyone that grows their own food. Why? Because fresh foods such as fruits, vegetables, meats, and others will expire if they are not preserved. And they are items that we are able to grow, harvest, and farm ourselves. If we were to throw our fresh foods out because we can't eat them before they expire, what would be the point of all of that backbreaking work setting up the garden, farm, or greenhouse? With canning, anything that is left over can be stored for when you need it most. For those thinking canning is the only way to preserve food, it definitely is not. There are a lot of other methods out there for food preservation, such as cooling, chilling, drying, freezing, fermenting, and cellaring. But canning is one of the most effective methods for long-term storage, and its essential purpose is to store food and kill bacteria that causes food to spoil or causes illness when consumed. In this article, we will discuss two methods of canning and what foods work best with each method. By the end of this post, you should be able to start canning productively like this family below. What are two easy methods of canning? The two methods of canning are water bath and pressure canning. Water bath canning involves packing clean jars with food product, sealing and immersing the jars in boiling water for a period of time that creates pressure within the jars that creates a vacuum seal when the jar cools. Pressure canning is the same process but with less water, higher temperatures and increased pressure. Pressure canning is more effective for food products that are less acidic. Foods that are low acid have a pH of more than 4.6, such as meats, seafood, poultry, and dairy products. The critical difference between the two methods is that the water in pressure canning is heated to a temperature of at least 240 degrees Fahrenheit. This temperature can only be reached using the pressure method. The foods with higher acidic levels, foods that have a pH of 4.6 or less, and contain enough acid so that botulism spores cannot grow, 
can be safely canned using the boiling water bath method. The high acidic foods include fruits and properly pickled vegetables. Water bath canning requires water temperatures of 212 degrees Fahrenheit. By reaching the boiling point of water, it is effective enough to pressurize and seal these lower acid foods. People often associate tomatoes with water bath canning, and they can be processed that way, but not before the acid level in the food product is increased. Increasing the acid level is relatively easy. Simply add lemon juice, vinegar, and or garlic to the food product to alter the pH level to the appropriate level for safe water bath canning. So what you need to start canning. First, to get started canning, you need to assemble a kit of tools and the essential canning equipment. Not all are absolutely necessary and you can improvise for some of these items with things you may find in the kitchen. However, having these on hand will make canning, especially when you are dealing with a lot of stock, much easier. To start canning, you will need a water bath canner. Ideally, with your water bath canner, you should have one that has a fitted rack that can be used to lower and raise the jars in the pot. Choosing the size of your water bath canner largely depends on you and where you live. If you are living in the country and have a lot of excess stock, using a large canning pot might be useful. However, if you were only canning a small amount of produce that you have from your urban backyard, choosing something not so big might obviously be a better option. I choose to use a large canner, and even though there are times when I don't have much to can, I still have that space in in it if I need it. Should you have a large canner and don't have much to can, use empty pots alongside your full ones as this will make sure that your pots stay upright and not fall over in the process. Canning pots are quite affordable too, which helps for those doing their canning to be a little bit more frugal around the home. Two popular canners which are very affordable are Granite Wares Enamel on Steel Canning Kit. This one comes with the rack, funnel, tongs, and jar lifter. Or a Columbian Homes Granite Ware Steel Porcelain Water Bath Canner which comes with a jar rack. Number two, you'll need a pressure canner. Ideally, you want to get a pressure canner that is of an appropriate size for the amount of food you wish to can. Mine is a 5.5 quart pot. You need to be a little bit more careful with pressure canners as they have a little more temperament to directions and you just need to make sure you don't open the canner when it is still under pressure. Pressure canners are a little more expensive as they are more technical canners that specifically require the pressure in order to reach the desired temperature. That said, if you are on a budget, there are some great affordable pressure canners out there, such as the Presto 23 Quart Presser Canner and Cooker and the T-Fall P31052 Polished Pressure Canner. The Rolls-Royce of pressure canners is the All-American 21 and a half quarter pressure cooker. Number three, a jar funnel. The jar funnel is used to pour your food products into the mouth of the jar without having any spillage or getting any food in the seam of the jar. Number four is a jar lifter. This is quite possibly one of the handiest pieces of equipment. It is a pair of tongs that are designed to be used to latch onto the tops of jars and lift them out of the hot water. There is nothing else you can use in place of these. Number five, a lid lifter. The magnetic wand safely lifts lids out of the hot water. 
Number six, bubble remover and headspace tool. This two-sided tool slides into sides of filled jars to release air bubbles and measure headspace. Number seven is caning jars. There is no end to the variety of caning jars on the market, but the most utilitarian and, for good reason, inexpensive are standard wide mouth jars from brands such as ball canning jars. These should be run through the dishwasher to sanitize them before using. Number eight, canning lids. These can be one-piece lids with gum adhesive that are really effective for pressure canning, or they can be two-piece lids with a disposable lid with gum adhesive and a reusable ring that secures the lid to the jar. It is important to note that canning lids are single-use. Once activated, the gum adhesive seals the jar but cannot be reused. Rings, as long as they are in good condition, can be reused, along with the jars, as long as they are clean and devoid of cracks or nicks. Then there's the kitchen timer with alarm. This is to set the time for the canning method and to alert you when you need to remove the jars from the canner. Dish towels. While not absolutely necessary, I find them very effective to line my countertops to protect them from hot jars as well as covering processed jars while they cool. This slows the cooling process and also protects the kitchen from any jars that may burst. Then clean, damp washcloths. I keep several on hand to wipe the rims of jars to ensure proper sealing. How to start the canning process. Now that you have assembled your tools, you may wash, process, and prepare your foods. Some foods are packed whole while others are chopped or processed, like tomato sauce, prior to packing into jars. Once your food is ready to be loaded in the jars, you must select the appropriate pack process. There are two methods of packing jars. They are the cold pack method. In this method, the raw food is packed cold in the jars, then processed or cooked in its container. This method is mostly used for fruits and berries. The hot pack method. This method requires a short preliminary cooking period preceding the packaging into jars. This method is well adapted to vegetables and meats because the pre-cooking shrinks the product and helps with packing. Cooking also drives out any air which may be present in the food. The hot food is immediately packed into the jars and sealed at once. It is important that there is no delay in processing after packing, meaning do not allow the food in jars to cool before going in the canner. Before or during the packing process, you should be warming up the canning pots so that the temperature is nearly to the point of canning. It makes no sense to start this after your jars are packed because of the time it will take for the water in the pot to reach boiling or higher. Waiting will allow your hot packed jars to cool. This must be avoided. In addition, activate the gum adhesive on the lids by placing them in a pan of simmering, not boiling, water. These can be fished out of the water by the lid lifter immediately before placing on the jar. So how to process canned foods. Once your food is packed, make sure there is appropriate headspace between the product and the lid, usually a quarter to a half inch, to allow the product to expand during processing and to create an air vacuum. Always wipe the rim of the jar with a warm, damp washcloth to remove any food or residue that can interfere with the proper sealing of the lid. Then load the canners and begin the process of sealing. How much time does canning take? Different foods require different timing in the canner. 
This difference is the time it takes at the canning temperature to kill any bacteria remaining in the food and to create the proper pressure inside the jar to then create the vacuum when the jar cools. Differing altitudes also affect the timing in the canner, where for roughly every 3,000 feet in altitude from sea level, the processing time increases by 5 minutes. For pressure canning, the PSI, or pounds of pressure per square inch, is also increased by 1 pound each 2,000 feet in elevation. You can use our chart below for the type of food you are canning and how long you need to process your cans before taking them out. So there's a nice little chart here with uh, uh, the food, the acid, the jar size, the water bath canning in minutes, and pressure canning in minutes. So uh, you can kind of break that down. And uh, yeah, there, it looks like there's two or two uh, two uh, tables here in the graphic. All right, so meats should be fully cooked and processed only in pressure canners. For ground meat such as beef and veal, using a weighted gauge canner, process at 10 pounds pressure. Quartz should be processed for 90 minutes. For poultry, using a weighted gauge canner, process at 10 pounds pressure. For poultry on the bone, a quartz should be processed for 75 minutes. Without bone, the quartz should be processed for 90 minutes. Make sure that you set a kitchen timer for the process and do not estimate the time. It can affect the seal and the expiration of your product. How to remove jars from the canner. Once your product has finished processing, each method of canning has a different process for removing the jars from the canner. For the water bath method, once the jars finish, they can be removed almost immediately from the hot water by lifting the jar rack and then removing the jars using the jar lifter. Do not handle hot jars with your bare hands. Then placing them on the top of the dish towels you placed on your counter. Jars should then be covered with the towels and allowed to cool. You will very shortly begin hearing pings as the jar cools. This is the sound they make when the lid finishes sealing. In pressure canning, this the method of removal is a bit different. Since there is so much pressure in the canner itself, you must allow that pressure to evacuate before you can remove the lid and retrieve the jars. This is accomplished by allowing the canner to cool slightly to deflate the pressure. If your canner has a release valve that you can safely handle, you can relieve the pressure via the valve and then remove the lid and follow the same method of retrieval as in the water bath method. Once jars have cooled completely, you should check that all jars have sealed properly. Single piece lids should be visible, visibly indented, indicating a full seal. On two piece lids, the lids should also be indented, but can be further tested by removing the rings to ensure proper seal has been achieved by the flat lids. How to store canned foods. It is important to store your canned food properly for maximum storage time and ultimate freshness. I label and date all of my canned foods on the single-use recyclable lid with the product and date. If these products are gifts, I make an adhesive tag, tag with the same information, usually done in a nice font on my computer. Otherwise, I use a Sharpie marker for simplicity. Store canned food in a cool, clean, dark, dry space, such as a pantry or even basement, if it is kept dry. Moisture, light, and heat are the enemies of canned foods. Cans or metal lids on glass jars can rust. If it is severe enough, holes develop in the lids, 
allowing air and bacteria agents in. Temperatures over 100 degrees Fahrenheit are harmful to canned foods. The risk of spoilage increases exponentially as storage temperatures rise. In addition, the nutritional value of canned food drops significantly if the food is stored for a prolonged time at temperatures above 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Finally, light can cause food color changes and nutrient losses in foods canned in glass jars. So storage for canned foods guidelines. Store in a cool, clean, dry place where temperatures are below 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Between 50 and 70 degrees Fahrenheit is good, but not freezing temperatures. Rotate food so the oldest is used first. This is called first in, first out. Try not to keep most canned foods more than one year. Food stored longer will be safe to eat if the cans do not show signs of spoilage or damage, but the foods may deteriorate in color, flavor, and nutritional value. Watch for signs of spoilage and dispose of the products immediately and sanitize the jars. Never use foods that containers with these spoilage warning signs. Loose or bulging lids on jars, foul odor, visible mold, or unusual coloring. Now it's your turn to start canning. Canning is a terrific heritage skill to learn. It is possible to can and bottle enough produce to last an entire year until the fresh foods are available again, increasing you and your family's food security. However, it is important to follow the steps I outlined in the article to maximize your storage time and to provide safe, nourishing food for yourself and your family. Um, there's only one comment here, and uh, it's left by someone named Terry. And it said, you left out the most important source for information on food safety when canning. And it links to uh, to a website here that uh, you, you might definitely want to go check out. It is uh, the National Center for Home Food Preservation. And there's just a lot of information there. I know that I've linked to it on Prepper website before in the, in the past. So definitely go check that out. But I, I do believe that canning is one of those. If you are gardening and uh, you know you just... Uh, you wind up getting so much, uh, so many vegetables all at one time. Canning is a very viable solution, and it's not very hard. Um, you know, the other thing that you can do is find food. Uh, you know, when it goes on sale, when it's you know going, uh, when it's plentiful in season and it's on sale, you buy it up, and then you go ahead and can it, and so you have it when it's not in season in the grocery store, and maybe they don't have it at all or they don't have a good selection of it, or it's very expensive, and then you already have some of that. And so uh, definitely, I think it is a skill that's worth uh, looking into and learning a little bit more about. And so again, like I said, that's over at thepreppingguide.com. I'm going to link to it in the show notes, and you can go check it out. Hey guys, before I finish it up here to, to, for this podcast for this week, I just wanted to uh, to mention I'm very excited about what's going on in the Prepper website forums. Uh, and so again, the way that you get into the Prepper website forums is you buy the Microbiz ebook, and then that gives you uh, access into the forums to talk about uh, multiple streams of income, to uh, get advice and uh, resources and all those kinds of things. And uh, you know that should be a desire on your heart that you would uh, have multiple streams of income. You know, this evening uh, got home really, really late. 
but you know was talking to someone about that very situation you know that they were needing multiple streams of income and uh, you know we talked a lot I I think I gave them a lot of great ideas and uh, hopefully I can share some of those ideas with you as well if you're over on the forums as well as all the other people that are on there you know there's a lot of smart people in preparedness and uh, you know sometimes if they don't have a website or they don't have a podcast or they don't have a YouTube channel you don't always hear from them but coming into the forums you get to hear some great you know advice and and have some information from other people and you know you can share your story or share where you're coming from and then other people will chime in and then just you know uh let you know what what they think and maybe it's something that you can apply in your situation uh, most definitely and then the other side of that is uh not only are there micro biz forums but there's also preparedness forums I know that people have emailed me in the past and said, Todd, we don't do social media. I don't go, I don't get on the Facebook. I don't do anything like that. Well, you know, this is a place where you can go and you can have community with other preppers that, uh, you know, believe things just exactly the way you do. And, uh, maybe they belong to the podcast. Uh, maybe they're coming from prepper website. But they believe in preparedness, and I think that's just so valuable. So those of you that aren't involved in social media, or even if you are in social media and you're starting to get to the point of like, you know what, I'm a little concerned about all the the stuff that I've been putting out there or liking as far as as, uh, preparedness goes. Uh, You know, I'm going to still be on there and and read articles and things like that. But as far as sharing and liking and uh, those types of things, I'm not going to do that anymore there. But this forum would allow you to share information like that and to, uh, you know, to converse with people about certain topics. And so definitely I'm very excited about where that's going. And I know that it's just headed, you know, in the right direction and uh, it's going to be a blessing to a lot of people. And so if you haven't checked that out, go over to the prepper website podcast.com and uh, you'll see the links on the front page and you can go check that out. Oh, or you could just go straight to microbiz.biz and that will get you to the appropriate web page where you can get all that information. Well, all right, guys, that's it for episode 301. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to the Prepper website, podcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.